evening, everyone, and welcome to our Bible Ponder for this week. Last week, we came to the end of Jesus's life. We saw him executed and buried in the tomb provided by Joseph of Arimathea. We um, looked mainly at Luke's accounts, but we also um, sprinkled in the details around Jesus' death from the other Gospels as well, because um, they all have something a bit unique to offer. Um, and from different accounts and different um, eyewitness stories, we get kind of a fuller picture of the death of Jesus. But now, as promised, we're moving on to um, a bit more happier times, and we'll see here how Luke prevents, presents the events around Jesus' resurrection. So where we've left Jesus, he's been laid in the tomb, a stone was rolled over the tomb. Other Gospels tell us that um, there was a guard put in front of the tomb um, to keep anyone, especially his disciples, from coming and disturbing the body and, and trying to take him away. The, the other Gospels tell us about a fear by the chief priests that Jesus' disciples would come and steal his body and then claim that he was resurrected or still alive. And um, So they're wanting to guard against that and to have any more sort of trouble with it all. But he's been laid in the tomb at sundown on Friday, and then all day Saturday, and then now we're here on Sunday. And it is the very early dawn, it says. So Sabbath ends at sundown on Saturday, but because it's nighttime, it would have been hard to see. And also maybe a bit dangerous to go out at night. The women wait till the morning. So Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. Now, spices for bodies were reserved, um, especially at this time, for important people or, or wealthy people. Not every single person that died would have been prepared, had their body prepared with spices because it's expensive. Um, and just not everyone got that. But um, Jesus is obviously important to a lot of people, and they've prepared this. Um, he would have been pretty smelly, having spent a day in the tomb, although if this is around April, um, Jerusalem is about 2,000 feet above the sea level, um, so it wouldn't have been too, too hot, um, but it still probably would have started to smell the body, but they're going there to prepare him. Um, other Gospels tell us of the conversation among the women about um, how they were going to roll away the stone. So they're going to the tomb, but they don't seem to have a plan about how they're going to get this stone rolled away. So it would have been rolled in front of the entrance to the tomb, probably into a bit of a groove. So it's not just flat ground where you can kind of roll it. Uh, it would have sort of slotted into a, a groove that would have made it very, very difficult to move. Um, but anyway, verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they went in, they did not find the body. So imagine their first um, guess when they see the stone rolled away is that some kind of Roman officials or, or other higher-ups have come and moved the body um, because only they would have had the authority to do that and, again, the kind of power and physical strength to do that. Um, so it's probably their first guess is that the tomb has been disturbed, not by robbers, but probably by someone official. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. And those are pretty common ways to describe angels in um, other first century texts and also the Old Testament. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they all told, they told all of this to the eleven and to the rest. Because um, remember, Judas Iscariot um, has run away and, and hanged himself. Um, now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Oh, what a shame. These men, idiot men, not believing the women who come to them, whether because the story is... Um, they just weren't expecting any kind of resurrection, or they're just misogynists and they don't believe the women, which was common at the time. They don't believe the women. And then we have this verse, but Peter goes, got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. So Peter sees the clothes, but he doesn't go to tell anybody. Um, this verse is not in every ancient manuscript, but it's enough that it's included here, and it matches an account from John where both John and Peter run to the tomb, but John stops outside. John makes a point, whether it's braggadocious or not, that he beats Peter to the tomb in a foot race, um, but then he waits outside, Peter goes in. Um, so that verse sort of matches that account from John. In any case, the women come back and report what the angel said, and also bring up what Jesus himself had said. Um, so there's a theme here that after we get through uh, the walk to Emmaus here, we'll talk about a little bit, but I'm not going to get super in detail with the walk to Emmaus um, because I think we get that this story quite a bit and we comes up in preaching quite a lot. Um, it's a pretty popular story so I won't um, be super in depth with the, in depth with this but there is a bit of a theme that I want to draw out. Now on that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. We don't know exactly what, there were a couple different villages perhaps called Emmaus um, and the current, or the, where it would have been no longer exists. So we don't know exactly where this was, but it says about seven miles from Jerusalem. Talking, uh, they were walking there, talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, um, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So. Not sure exactly how this happens, how they're um, kept from recognizing him, whether he's in disguise or whether it's just they're not able to recognize him for um, some reason to do with their own heads. Um, it was also pretty common for travelers um, to walk with other people. You're safer in numbers for one, but also especially around kind of pilgrimage holidays when there would a lot of been a lot of people coming to and from Jerusalem. Um, they would have just assumed, oh, this is just another pilgrim who was here for Passover, who's now leaving. And it would have been pretty normal to just start chatting to people on the road and walk together. Um, and he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, and remember the chat about names, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one 
to redeem Israel. Again, there's that messianic language. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe that all the, all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. And this, similar to the walking along, would have been pretty normal hospitality. And it would have been normal for someone traveling to go, No, 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 it's okay, I'll, I'll go on, you know, we, we do this. Um, we have these sort of virtual sort of things of politeness of, Oh, will you come over for tea? That's great. What can I bring? Oh, nothing, just bring yourself. And, and you know, we kind of have a bit of a verbal politeness game. And this is probably a bit similar of Jesus going, no, 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 I'll keep going. And then going, no, 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 come on, please stay with us, please. And so then Jesus comes to stay over with them. Because um, again, traveling at night, hard to see and dangerous. Um, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. So he takes actually the role of, of the, the head of the household here. Um, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. So he's there physically, um, they're kept from recognizing him again, whether he's in some sort of disguise um, or just, you know, their, their eyes are sort of covered um, in, in some sense spiritually or, or however. They don't recognize him, but then they do recognize him and then he just disappears. <laughs> um, so he is both in a body, um, but also... Um, is, is more than a body, but we'll get into that, I think, a bit next week when we come to the to the end of the gospel. Um, but he vanishes. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon, then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Um, so the 11 were saying that, that he's even um, appeared to them. But the, the main thing I want to point out from both of these stories is um, how strange and, and different it was to envision a suffering and then dying and resurrecting Messiah. This is something to us that's very second nature, just the idea of um, Jesus needing to die as part of Sorry, there's a helicopter. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, we are so used to the idea of Jesus dying and then resurrecting. Um, as we celebrate that all the time, but especially every year in Good Friday and Easter. And we're so used to interpreting 
the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible in light of the idea that Jesus dies and resurrects. And so we see all of these things. A lot of them get pulled out by the apostles and the early Christians as they're going back and rereading the scriptures and doing like what Jesus does with them on the road, where he goes back and he pulls out all of these different texts that they hadn't seen before that, that point to a suffering, dying, and resurrecting Messiah. Um, but that was not the common way that any of those texts were seen or interpreted. These are new interpretations that are coming out. So it's not as if they had the same blueprint, but we're just kind of like, oh, I don't know. And so when Jesus is taken and executed, they're not thinking, okay, well, at least he's going to be resurrected. They are so devastated and they feel like things are probably done. They are probably thinking that they're going to be rounded up as well by the guards and maybe executed. So they've got to stay in hiding. They're not sure what's happened. Um, but they definitely don't expect the resurrection. And so I think it, it's helpful to go back and kind of remember how astounding this was. I don't think that's an excuse for the disciples not to believe the women when they come and tell them, but it's even for the women to not, they're not going looking to see if he's resurrected. They're going to prepare his body and, and anoint it with spices and, and oils, things like myrrh, like he was given at his birth. And so um, the, the resurrection is so astounding and different and changes so much about what, the Messiah was to be. And going back and sort of retroactively reading a lot of these texts, and then you can kind of see how all of these pieces fit, but they didn't see that at the time. And so the resurrection really is this amazing, astounding um, event that was so unexpected. And, and so this is sort of the grandest and, and obviously most important time that throughout all of the story of Jesus, we see Jesus um, completely um, surprising and astounding people uh, with what he does and the, and the way his story goes. Um, so that is, is um, the amazing, uh, beautiful beginning of the resurrection. So we've seen Jesus here briefly, and then he disappears. Um, so next week, we will um, actually come to the conclusion of uh, the Gospel of Luke. So I look forward to that and I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Thanks for sleeping the whole time. Bye-bye everyone. Have a good week.